Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. And again, a very special welcome to anyone that's perhaps slipped in during that time of worship uh, and trust that this time is going to be really meaningful and powerful for all of us. Um, Just to let you know where we are at the moment as a church, we are part two in what has been a mini-series called A Holiday of Healing. Uh, Just over a year ago now, uh, I had the sense that we were going to need to have a time now um, to come together as a church to be praying for wholeness and healing for people, Um, both physical wholeness and inward wholeness uh, and healing for people. And I realized, and I, I shared a bit about this last week, that this is not an easy thing for us to address. Because as soon as we're talking about wholeness and healing, we're talking about illness and loss. And all of us, I'm sure, have stories and perhaps right now ongoing stories of of loss and of difficulty in this area of of healing and sickness and illness. I shared last week um, some of my story and some of Nikki's story of some of the loss that we had and how we prayed and didn't see answer uh, to prayer in that particular situation. And we've had other situations like that that have been incredibly challenging and really difficult. Right now, uh, my gran in South Africa is, is sort of in her last stages and dying of cancer. My mom has gone to be with her. Now at this time, it's very difficult. Death and illness and sickness are difficult things for us to get our heads around. And yet the fact that they are difficult does not mean that we should not be engaging and seeking God and seeking to understand God's will and God's ways for us to minister to one another And to express the love of God and the reality and power of the kingdom of God in people's lives. And so I trust that as we come to part two and a little bit later on, we're going to do some prayer as well. Because over the course of these two weeks, we wanted to be teaching uh, on Jesus' ways, the ways that Jesus did his healing ministry, both physical and spiritual. We're going to look more at the spiritual today. We looked more at the physical last week. But then, as Nikki Gumbel said in the video, we want to not just be learning how Jesus did healing, but we actually want to be doing healing too. Um, And that takes it to another level. Uh, He spoke about how it was difficult to be sitting in the front row as the person was talking about that. So blessings to all of you who are near the front. Uh, But don't worry, the first will be last and the last will be first. And and we just trust that the blessing of God touches everywhere in the church. Okay, so as I said last week, we looked at some of the physical healing of Jesus, how Jesus did healing in people's bodies where there was physical sickness. Another major facet of Jesus' healing ministry involved the breaking of the power of evil over people's lives. And as I said last week, uh, we saw that about 25% of the gospel narratives involve Jesus' healing ministry, either of people's physical sickness or spiritual oppression, um, and where people are 
under, if you like, the power of the enemy. And so again, as this is perhaps more difficult for us than the physical healing, we understand that slightly better. I think as, as even as Christians today, I think the spiritual healing is harder for us to perhaps get our heads around. And so I've got some clips from the Alpha DVD which looks at this. Um, and I know that people have been finding this really helpful. And so we're going to attempt to play our first of those clips now and trust that the, the technology works. So let's see if this works. I was an atheist. I had great difficulty believing that God could exist. I became a Christian. I came to believe in God. But then somebody said to me that there's a devil. And I thought, come on. It's hard enough to believe there's a God, let alone to believe that there's a devil. Part of the problem is that I had a false image of God and of the devil. I had a picture of God as an old man with a beard sitting on a cloud. Similarly, I had a false image of the devil. I thought of the devil with horns, a tail, cloven hooves, and a pitchfork. Of course, those images of God and of the devil are not only unbelievable, they're also unbiblical. The New Testament talks about a, a triple alliance, like the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world's the enemy around us. It's all the evil that's around us, the world that's turned away from God. The flesh is the enemy within us. The flesh is not the body. There's nothing evil about the body. It's the evil desires that come from within each of us. And the devil is the enemy above. Jesus clearly believed in the existence of the devil. He taught his disciples to pray, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. So, scripture talks about the existence of the devil. Also, tradition, Christians down the ages have always believed in spiritual forces of evil. And you may have had this experience, particularly if you've had a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. You suddenly find that there seem to be all kinds of things coming against you. Temptations that you weren't really aware of before. There's also common sense. How do we explain so much evil in the world? We live in a world where, where terrible things happen. There are two equal and opposite dangers when we think about evil. One danger is complete disbelief, and the other is an unhealthy and excessive interest in the powers and the practices of evil. Things like Ouija boards, tarot cards, horoscopes, palm reading, that kind of thing. People who are on a spiritual search often experiment with these kind of things. It's not the unforgivable sin, but if you do it, then turn from it, repent from it, get rid of any books or anything in your life associated with it, because we're not supposed to have an unhealthy interest with these things. Yeah, the devil wants to destroy our lives. Jesus described the devil as a thief who wants to rob us. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is his ultimate aim. It's the complete opposite of what Jesus wants for your life. Jesus loves you. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what God wants for you, fullness of life. The devil's aim is to destroy and he uses clever tactics. It's never obvious at the start where he's trying to take you.
So hopefully that gives just a bit of an introduction. We're going to clip back to Alpha in just a moment. But let's look at our first reading. For those of you who'd like to follow in your own Bibles, and maybe we can pop the lights back on, uh, would be great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 1, and that's what we're doing at the moment. We're tracking through the Gospel of Mark, and this is what comes up. And so in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, going to read through uh, most of the way up until verse 34. So if you have your Bibles uh, and you want to make notes or scribble in them or highlight them, um, that's where we are. So Mark 1 verse 21 says this, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue. So the synagogue was, I guess, a little bit like what we would experience today coming to church. It was an environment where people would go to learn about God, where uh, the scriptures would be taught. People would be able to worship and pray and, and have fellowship together. And so they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, and he began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not just the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then we have Jesus' response to that spirit. He says, Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. I'm sure that must have been quite something for all the people there to have witnessed. I'm not sure how all of you would feel if something like that happened in the service today. I'm sure it would be something that would be quite shocking for a lot of people. Um, and yet we see the response of people in verse 27. It says this, Click to the next slide. There we go. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Then we have the story that we looked at last week, the physical healing story. And then verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. So remember, this is, this is quite a thing. You invite Jesus around to your house. The next minute, outside your house, are all the people in the village who are sick or demon-possessed. Okay, so thankfully for them, Jesus is with them. Okay, and we see what he does. Uh, so uh, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, physical sicknesses. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Okay, just as far as that. Um, so to say for us, I recognize that many of us, this is quite a challenging thing to read. And that actually makes the Gospels quite a challenging thing to read because we see so much of this in all of the Gospels. Jesus dealing with both physical healing and spiritual oppression. And I think it's important for us to recognize that in the Bible, there is complete confidence in the idea that natural problems can have spiritual causes. Yeah, natural problems can have spiritual causes. So uh, within the biblical understanding and worldview and framework, you can have two people with exactly the same presenting issue and challenge. For example, physical illness. One of them 
could be physically ill because of the result of simply living in a broken world. We live in a world where there is sickness and death, and the person is sick because they live in a world where there are viruses, they live in a world where our immune systems get run down, they live in a world where sickness is prevalent, okay? So they are sick because of purely natural causes, and we see when Jesus would minister to someone like that, he would minister physical healing. At the same time, we could have someone who's presenting with exactly the same scenario, and yet for them, the cause of their illness is not just because they live in a world with sickness and death, but their cause of their illness is because we live in a world that has evil present in it. Okay? And so we see in the Bible that spiritual beings are actually able to cause people to have the physical symptoms of illnesses and sicknesses. Now, that's not something that we readily do. You know, when you go to the doctor today and he asks you, you know, you know you're unwell, he might say, well, have you been abroad? He doesn't typically say, do you have a demon? Uh, you know, that's not a way that we tend to think about illness. And yet it is something that the scriptures encourage us to be discerning about, um, to be maturely discerning about. Okay, the impact, though, of evil can go beyond physical sickness and can actually affect us internally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And so we looked last week, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of love. And so where people are negatively affected by evil spirits, demonic spirits, that can have the converse effect on us emotionally, internally. We might feel inwardly disturbed or hopeless or sorrow or hate or unforgiveness or an unwillingness to forgive people, bitterness. If you like, these are the illnesses of soul, internal illnesses. And those can be momentary. They could be the result of an attack of the enemy, uh, it speaks about in Ephesians, we looked at this last year, the flaming darts of the enemy. It's got nothing really to do with us. It's just one of those sort of sideline ambushes of the enemy to try and knock us off track. Or it could be something that's much more lasting, where we begin to agree with those feelings, we walk in those feelings, we accept those feelings, and they actually become part of our perceived identity. Now, obviously, those feelings could also be the cause of natural things. We might have been through difficult circumstances. We might have had loss or sorrow. There might be medical reasons that we feel those things. So please hear me. I'm not saying that all depression, all internally uh, negative emotions are the result of evil spirits. But biblically speaking, it's important to be aware that these feelings can come not just from natural causes, but spiritual causes too. And so we see that it's a good thing that Jesus comes to deal with demonic beings, with spiritual realities that can actually negatively affect people. And so I'm not sure if you can see that, but perhaps if you're taking notes, Acts chapter 10, this is Peter when he preaches the gospel for the first time to the Gentiles. Okay, so that would be most of us. Um, this is what he says in verse 37. He says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Okay, so he, he went around doing good. It's actually a really good thing if someone is under the influence of something that's evil, that God would come and make a way to break that oppression over people so that the illness they don't have to have can be healed or the inward disturbance that they don't have to have can be broken off. Okay, so it was a good thing that Jesus did that. And it's a good thing for the church to engage in a ministry of inward healing. I think that that is a wonderful thing. It's important that it's done in a balanced, holistic, and mature way, where we're not saying everything that is depressed is evil, but we are alert to the reality of the spiritual realm as well as the natural realm. It's a bit like we have 20-20 vision. We can perceive from both dimensions. We're able to diagnose in both environments and hopefully get help in both spaces as we need it. Um, just to say as well that this is a major part of Jesus' ministry. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So it's one of the primary purposes of Jesus. It's why we celebrate communion was so that Jesus could make a way to bring us into a position of authority again over the spiritual powers of darkness so that the works of the enemy could be destroyed and the influence of the enemy could be undone in people's lives and in the world. And this is, I hope, the important part and point that you are all uh, able to receive from this. Whether people's challenge is outward, physical, and the need of external physical healing, or whether the problem is inward, emotional, and spiritual, whether the cause of those problems are physical, a result of living in this natural broken world, or the cause of those problems are spiritual, demonic, and evil, whatever the cause, whatever the problem, Jesus comes to bring wholeness and healing because he loves people and wants to minister his kingdom. And as far as we are able, we want to see the kingdom of God break into people's lives to bring freedom and wholeness and healing. And as I said last week, we recognize that this is possible, but it's a battle. There is war and there is mystery and there is mercy. The kingdom has come. It's available. It's near to us. We have the right, the privilege, the calling to pray for people, to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free. We also recognize that we are not yet in the place where that would be complete. And we are praying that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But recognizing until Jesus comes again, we are in the midst of a battle. Let's uh, pick it up again with the Alpha team and see how they can move us forwards. All sin is a form of deception. Again, in Genesis, where the devil in the form of a serpent says, you will not surely die if you disobey God. In other words, it's not gonna do you any harm. But the devil tries to deceive us into thinking that God doesn't love us or want us to have the best in life. 
Jesus wants you to have life in all its fullness. He loves you. He doesn't want you to experience evil. He wants you to experience good. Yeah, and one of the other titles of the devil is the accuser. He makes us doubt God's goodness and love. He tempts us to break God's commands, which are there for our own protection. And then he accuses and condemns us. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It's when we know exactly what we've done is wrong and we turn away from it and receive forgiveness. But condemnation is from the devil. Condemnation is when we just feel really bad about ourselves. But the New Testament tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. On the cross, Jesus took the condemnation that we deserve upon himself so that we don't have to. Our position in the battle has changed. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son he loves. In other words, you were in the dominion of darkness, where you could say, in a sense, the devil was in control. But through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, the moment you invite Jesus to come and be part of your life, he transfers you from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus, where Jesus is in control and there is total freedom. So if we experience this transformation, then why do we still struggle with temptation? And why do we still struggle with evil? The decisive moment of the Second World War was D-Day, the 6th of June, 1944. At dawn, thousands of Allied troops began to pour onto these beaches under heavy enemy fire. Though many lives were lost, it was the great breakthrough. Essentially, it was the day the war was won. At the death and resurrection of Jesus, the ultimate victory was won. That was the decisive moment. And the moment you invited Jesus into your life, if you did that, the power of sin was broken. But the war didn't end there. There was a whole period of months of the mopping up operations until VE Day, victory in Europe, on the 8th of May, 1945. In a sense, right now, we live between D-Day and VE Day. The victory has been won, but we're still in this period of the mopping up operations, which will only be complete once Jesus returns and when we get to meet him. And if your experience is anything like mine, when I first encountered Jesus, then a lot changed in my life. But there are other times that I struggle with things, and if I'm honest, I still struggle with them today. We're still in a battle. It's a process, and it won't be complete until Jesus returns. So what's our defense? How do we fight this battle? Well, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that to fight this battle, we have to be strong in the Lord. We have to put on the full armor of God. So effectively, the Bible is saying that we have to get rid of the bad habits and replace them with good ones. Stay close to Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus with the belt of truth around your waist. Jesus said, I am the truth. This is the opposite of hypocrisy. It's authenticity, integrity, openness in your life. The breastplate of righteousness. Keep your relationships right. Keep short accounts. If you mess up, as we all do, ask God to forgive you and pick yourself up quickly. And the same with other people. If you fall out with someone else, deal with it quickly. 
ask for forgiveness, get it sorted out. Get involved in service, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Don't just sit around doing nothing. Get involved, serve at church or in your community. Trust God in difficult times. Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. The devil's going to throw stuff at you, doubt, fears, anxieties, lust, all kinds of things. Keep on trusting, don't give up your faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Win the battle of the mind. Salvation means freedom, the freedom which Jesus brings. All these temptations tend to start in the mind. A thought becomes an action, an action becomes a habit, a habit becomes a destiny. Know your Bible. Soak yourself in the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I really encourage you to get to know this book, to read it daily if you can. Use a hard copy, download the Bible in one year app, whatever works for you. Each time Jesus was tempted, he replied with a verse from the Bible. He knew the scriptures well, and he used it as a defense against the attacks of the enemy. Keep praying. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Keep close to God through prayer. And lastly, stand firm together. There is no armor for the back. We're most vulnerable when we're running away, but far stronger when we stand together. The good news is you can do it. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We can overcome evil with good. Amen. Okay. Um, I'd like to close with this um, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says this, Therefore, since we have these promises, these promises of God's protection, these promises of God's power, these promises of God's strength, these promises that God will be with us, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God comes to fill us with his Holy Spirit, with his presence, that we can know him and pray to him, that we can be with him in the very holiest of places, right in his very throne room with him. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify or cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And I felt that it was helpful to say that we do play a part as Christian people, as, as the children of God, walking, if you like, in a way that is protected, that brings us into wholeness. There is a part that we get to play in that. And the part looks like this. It looks like coming to God regularly and saying to God, God, what in me is creating space for the enemy to be at work in my life? Is there anything? I love the prayer of David where he says, Lord, search me and know me. Is there anything in me that is causing any offense to you? Reveal it to me that I might bring it to you, that I might confess, that I might repent, that I might change. And so we need to be making sure that we keep short accounts with God, that we're reading the scriptures, we know what offends God, we know what honors God, and we're living in a way that does honor Him. And then secondly, to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's in the power of God that we are able to take our stand against the enemy. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, is what it, uh, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, in, in this idea of the battle that we're in. Whether that's battle for ourselves or whether that's in ministry towards other people, that we will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then as we need to, to rebuke the enemy. So we repent, we submit to God, and then we turn from the enemy. We rebuke the enemy. We push him aside. And we walk and choose to walk with God. Okay, that, I hope, uh, creates some measure of framework. And I know we've covered some of this before. Um, but this is what came up in this passage of Jesus' ministry. We see the healing ministry of Jesus always, almost always involved both a natural and a spiritual component. Right, what we are going to do now, and perhaps I can ask the, the worship team to come forward, um, we'd love to take some more time to pray for you. It's been amazing over the last couple of weeks to be able to be praying for people. And just to say, these are some of the things that we'd love to pray for people about. Um, I know that some of you weren't able to be here last week, uh, and we would love to continue to pray for physical healing for people. And so if you are here and you are physically sick in any way, if you have pain, in any part of your body. Uh, we would love to pray for that. If perhaps you were here and you had prayer last week and you still are not feeling 100%, maybe there's not been much change at all, we'd love to pray for you again. Jesus at times prayed for people more than once. Do you remember that strange story where he prays for someone who was blind and then he says, can you see now? And then he says, well, I can see, but it looks like everyone is a tree. Uh, everyone is are, are trees. And then he prays for him a second time and then he gets... So of his healing properly. And so if, if you've had that experience over the course of this week where there's maybe been a measure of difference and yet it's not quite better yet, we'd love to pray for you again. Also love to pray for people to be strengthened in the Lord. Perhaps you're here and you haven't had someone pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you have and you'd love for someone to do that again, and we just come around you and get to bless you. Um, it's something we love to do uh, in our connect group. We pick someone um, out from a hat, and then the entire connect group just sort of showers blessing on the, that individual, um, um, which, can be, which can be really fun, and, and that you just see sort of people float out the door uh, at the end. So maybe you need a float out of here today and just have a couple of people come around you and bless you and, and pray over you. And then also perhaps there are people here and as you look forwards into the future, maybe the future is Monday or, or this week that's ahead and there's apprehension, anxiety, maybe there's just that sense of hopelessness or discouragement. We'd love to pray for you too. Obviously that doesn't replace uh, godly counseling or, or other help or discussion that you might need, but it's it's just wonderful to come around and pray for God to strengthen people. Is that okay? So, so if, if that fits with you, you want healing, you want strengthening prayer, we'd love to pray for you. So as we um, begin to worship now, I'll pray. And then if the people who are going to be praying with me want to come to the front, and then anyone else, we've got a couple of songs, we've got a lot of time, um, we'd love to just do that ministry together. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.